Episode 33 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Where am I? Righto, team, welcome along to episode 33 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that become alongside it. Well, it's been a pretty cool month for me. I, uh, I'm sure you guys would, would have listened to last month's show, and in last month's show, as I told you, I was actually in Florida with uh, my friend Mid Thomas, and hopefully I got some good feedback on that interview, actually, which is cool, because it was kind of a kind of a casual conversation with a friend, so I'm glad there was lots of value that came out of that. Uh, from there, I went and met up with my partner, Joe, in New York, and then we uh, headed over, spent a week there, and then some time in Las Vegas, and then a little bit of time in um, San Francisco as well, so we had a really great time in America, and it was um, it was good to get away. One thing that really reminded me in, of, that I think is, is something that we should all try to install in our lives, is that trying to, to get away from your regular routine every so often. You see it when you see couples who get that kind of every two months they get a weekend away together and they come back from that weekend away together and there's something about stepping out of your daily routine that that kind of and, and, and kind of just makes you reflect. And it kind of makes you reflect, like, I don't know if you consciously go away to reflect, like, you know, like my partner and I, where we live, we live in a place called Christchurch, and there's kind of two quick drive holiday destinations, there's one called Akaroa, which is about an hour in a, drive, in a car from here, and there's another called Hamnil, which is about another, probably about an hour, just over an hour from Christchurch, and Joe and I will tend to do an Akaroa or a Christchurch, I mean, or a Hamnil weekend, you know, once every, you know, kind of two or three times a year, and that alongside a big holiday, it kind of gives us probably four or five breaks away from our regular routine. Now, when we go away for these weekends, like if we go away to Ekaroa for the weekend, we don't go away and, you know, spend it as a, a big time to reassess your life. But there's something about going away from your daily routine where you just kind of figure some stuff out. And I think it's just some real value to that. Now, with, with our holiday, it was, you know, it was a month and we had a really great trip and all the rest of it. So it was a bit different. But it was just interesting. I was talking to someone the other day and they just said, you know, they had a weekend away with their partner and they, they just felt really great in their relationship because they had done that. And I know for myself, and I'm sure as you're listening to this, that, you know, when you think about those times when you, you stop, you take away from your weekly routine and you go and, you know, somewhere else with the people that are important to you in your life. Do you come back in a better place? And I think for the majority of the people listening to this right now, the answer would be, yeah, yeah, you definitely do. So probably the most important thing we need to do is place importance on this kind of routine of, you know, once every two to three months, breaking the mold, getting out of your home, getting somewhere totally different with the people that are important to you in your life. It could be your partner, it could be a group of friends, it could be your children, you know, whoever that is. You know, there's definitely a place for uh, self-reflection where it's just about you and yourself, but I, I just think there's some real value to that. And I feel very fortunate because, you know, my partner Joe and I, we have a fantastic relationship and, and we travel really well together. And so, you know, our relationship's really good, but you definitely, you know, you have these shared experiences and you have this kind of time away from your life and you come back so much stronger. So it's not it's not, it's not today's topic. It's not, it's, I've kind of just gone on a tangent here as I do, but... 
have a think about that, you know, look back to those times in your life where you have taken a break, and it doesn't have to be a long break, it could be two nights, three nights, just, you know, somewhere close to your to your local location, and then think back on those times and think back about when you come back from that place, and has there been shifts in ways that are positive, and if there is a history of seeing that happening, then why wouldn't you prioritise putting those places in your calendar for your year? So one thing Joe and I try to get in the habit of doing is once we get back from a trip, we kind of try to plan our next trip. So, you know, we're, we're like next year we're thinking of going to Vietnam. Now, that's our big trip for next year. But we're actually also looking at what are our short-term trips. You know, we're going to do a weekend to Hamna, which we've already talked about. And we're looking at our Christmas holiday. So before, you know, it's September now, before the end of the year, we're going to have two more short weekends away. And I think it's, um, you know, you know, I know for my relationship and in my life, it's something that I get a lot of value out of. And it's something that I definitely feel, um, you know, a lot of you guys listening to this can probably do that as well. And just, I suppose the key point is to actually prioritize that, you know, don't have it eight, 10 months away, have it. So, you know, that three, you know, two to three months from now, you can see that in place. One thing that was also really interesting about my American trip, and, you know, when I go on holiday, you know, I live quite a disciplined life and I've got, um, you know, I've kind of, figured out the way to live my life in a way that makes me happy most of the time and in a way that keeps me satisfied in the way I'm living my day-to-day life and when I go on holiday I'm not someone who tries to be really strict with all those types of things you know like when I go away on holiday I allow myself to you know eat crap and and you know don't worry about sleeping so much and you know I didn't exercise a huge amount on holiday a little bit but not a huge amount on holiday and I kind of let kind of Every fall, everything fall off the wagon, and, and you know I was on holiday, and I had no problem with doing. It. And while I was on holiday, I had no insecurity around it. You know, it was just it is what it is. But one thing that was really nice about coming back from a holiday, and and I think this is one of the value of some of the things that I've shared with you guys through this podcast, and and hopefully you'll see this in yourself, is that as soon as I got off the plane, I knew what it took to get me back to the behaviours that kept me in my happy place. And, and I suppose that's one of the messages I've always tried to explore with you guys is, you know, well, what are your perfect behaviors? What's the formula that makes you tick perfectly? And, and I think that a lot of you guys probably know what those behaviors are. And and for me, what the, the understanding of that, it allows you to have trust that you know you can always go to those behaviors when you need to sharpen up or when you just want to maintain a level of self that you're satisfied with. And, you know, when I went away on holiday, I kind of let those behaviors slip because, you know, that's what having a holiday was about. But I didn't come back from the trip thinking, oh my God, I've lost myself as a person. I just came back going, okay, well now I need to get back to these certain behaviours that I know keep me in my sharp place. And it's been really interesting. I've been back from my holiday for around about, you know, three weeks now. And um, and like seriously, as soon as I got off that plane, I was just back to, you know, those good behaviours I know maintain me in a good place. And, you know, that within myself gives me amazing trust and you know that I'm going to be all right in most of my situations in my life and I think that there's something for all of us to consider in that you know that what are those good behaviors you know keep you in your great place and I suppose if we think of the fundamental you know the fundamental lessons of this fitness behavior podcast is that's really what I've always tried to get you guys to explore is, is what are your great behaviors and how do you stay them in as long as possible and alongside that, I've tried to introduce some different concepts that maybe you can explore to take those behaviors further. So, 
you know, as you think about yourself, when you're in your great place, what are those things you do amazingly well and how do you maintain those? And and in those times when you do allow them to slip a little bit, like going on holiday or or maybe just because you've fallen out of, you know, your normal habit, how do you get back on top of those straight away? That's uh that's that's totally not how I thought I'd start the show. <laughs> I just kind of started waffling and there you go, that's how I kind of roll. So kind of stream of thought came out of my mind. This one shows, um, it's, it's actually going to be a bit like this the whole time, to be honest. It's going to be kind of a stream of thoughts kind of show. I, um, it's a topic that I think is very important and it's been a topic that um, may probably I discovered when I was about 30, the importance of it. And, um, and so I think... Uh, you know, for some of you guys, we may get a lot of value out of today's show, and some of you may not. But it's definitely something that hopefully can add, you know, some context and some some thinking to, um, you know, to your life that make him help you kind of see things in different ways or reinforce what you're doing really well already. So, I'm going to put the music on. Um, yeah, that's about it. Let's get into it. Rock and roll. As a content creator, it's, it's really interesting. Like I originally in my life, I wasn't a con- content creator. I was, you know, just a worker. And then kind of over time, I started a podcast and, you know, then started another podcast and, and started to become writing some little bit. And, you know, to the point where now a lot of my life is around creating content. And uh, it's definitely an area I've always tried to move towards. I remember thinking about five or six years ago that I'd like to make a life out of thinking and uh you know, that ultimately that would be the place I'd want to shift towards as I move away from an industry or a career that's very much based on the physical as I shift towards becoming older that I want to be someone who is uses my mind as a tool to help the world and myself become better. And uh, through that transition, I've, you know, I've become someone who regularly has to create content. Um, you know, I write a weekly piece for my local newspaper. I um, I you know do the show monthly and, and you know I'm always kind of kind of trying to filter topics to work on. It's interesting, like with this show, it's a lot harder work than my other podcasts I do. I am talk. I am talk is a kind of like a magazine show. It's very much the topics are in front of you and it's just kind of giving your opinion on a topic that's brought up right now. Whereas with this show, I literally have to sit down and and kind of stew in my mind for the period in time until I push record on the topic I'm going to talk about and I've got to think about well how do I make it interesting what can I bring to it to make you guys reflect and get the most from it and so on and so uh, it's a lot more challenging because you always have to think of new ideas and uh, for example when I started this show a friend of mine uh, who does another podcast called Marathon Talk um, he said to me because I kind of I kind of talked to him when he started um, his Marathon Talk podcast and I kind of gave him some tips on because you know, we've been doing I Am Talk for a while. And when I started this podcast, he said, wow, I can't believe you're doing this because when you t- told me about um, I Am Talk, you said one of the great things is just, you know, you don't have to come up with new subjects all the time. And uh, this podcast, Fitness Behaviour, is, you know, definitely along that path of coming up with new topics. And uh, that's why I went with the monthly format. And it is it is more challenging. But what's really interesting with the mind is that as you become a content creator and you know you have, kind of your niche you talk to like for me you know there's this different definite kind of angle that I try to address when it comes to fitness um, you know fitness content and uh, 
And what's really interesting is that it's almost like once you become a content creator in a certain area, you have this beacon that comes out of your mind that is always trying to look for opportunities for you to be able to create content from it. So you might find yourself in a situation in your life and uh, something happens and you go, oh, I can write about that. And then, um, you know, then that's, that kind of seed gets planted in your head. And once that seed's planted in your head, uh, you'll find, or at least I find from my experience, that from that moment forward, you're kind of looking to see how you're going to mold this content together. Like I think about when I sit down to write my weekly press piece, I sit down every kind of Monday afternoon and I spend about an hour writing. But to be honest, the writing is kind of already done. By the time I sit down, I've spent a week kind of sitting in the thoughts around what I'm going to write about. And I'm really thinking, thinking, you know, what's going to come on the piece of paper. Now, one of the really interesting things about being a content creator is that, especially in today's society, is that um, you... You kind of know when you've you've done something that hits a note to a higher level. Like I'm very fortunate that I get a huge amount of feedback from people saying that they really enjoy my work. Um, you know, with my local paper, a lot of local people will tell me they enjoy what I do, and and I, you know, I've talked on this podcast the amount of emails I get from you guys just saying you enjoy the show. So I'm, I get a lot of reward telling me when I, you know, that people enjoy my pieces. But occasionally you'll get a piece, you'll get something, a piece of work that seems to hit a note to another level. That when you put it out there, it seems that you've touched on something that is really powerful or, or hits a strong chord in the consumer of your content. And recently I wrote a piece um, that, that's probably been my most, I don't know if I'd say well-received, but definitely seems like it's had the biggest impact on the in regards to the feedback I've got from the piece. And I wrote a piece on mothers. And I wrote a piece on, uh, uh, basically, a kind of, the kind of piece, and, and if you're on, if you're kind of um, on my blog, you probably got the piece, if you're getting my newsletters, I should say, you probably got the piece and you probably read it, so you'll know the piece I'm talking about. But for those of you who don't know about it, the piece kind of talked about how when I was a young man, I was very ignorant around the role of being a mother and how being a mother... When I was younger, like I seriously, when I was 19, before I had my own child, I just seriously thought mums just sat around watching Oprah all day. I just thought, mums have got it sweet. It's like, it's the easiest job in the world. You've got a kid who just, you know, sleeps all day and all you need to do is kind of sit around and watch a bit of TV. And and, and I kind of, you know, again, I need to <laughs> kind of put some, some kind of, you know, caveats around this is that I, I was very ignorant. and But I kind of thought mums just didn't know, didn't do bugger all. And then, you know, at 19, at a very young age, I had my own child. And suddenly I kind of realized the workload of a mother. And throughout my experience working within the fitness industry is that, you know, like you deal with a lot of mums, a lot of, you know, females who have children. And um, and through that insight, you know, like when I was 19 and I had my own child, I started to realize how much work a child is. But then when I started to work in the industry and I got to deal one-on-one with mums in in their real-world situations, I realised the massive amount of sacrifice it takes to be a mother in today's society. And, and, and when you think about it, it's kind of really obvious to see. If we think of the traditional model of being a mum, 
you know, if we look at my, you know, my grandparents' generation or, or you know, maybe if you're older parents, your parents' generation, you know, when, when there was definitely defined roles within the household. In the household back in the old days, you know, the, the male earned the income. The male, he, his role was to um, go out, work hard, bring an income that would provide for the whole family. There was, a, there was a defined role, that's what he did. At the same time, the mother's role was to stay within the house. You know, these, these, a lot of the females at the time didn't work. And their role, well, didn't work for an income at least. Uh, and their role was to, you know, keep the house in order. You know, to bring up the kids, to, um, you know, look after the children, to keep the house tidy, to kind of manage, the, you know, the big job of managing the house, which is, which is a huge, huge job. Now, as time has progressed, there's been a blurring of those lines. And, and to the point where today, a mother, you know, the typical mother, if there is a typical mother, you know, works has to look after the house still, has to look after the kids, has, you know, all these kind of massive demands on themselves where they are just working so, so much. And in this piece, I kind of touched on the idea that the loss of identity that happens to her mum, especially in the first stage when they first have their children, is absolutely massive. Imagine this, imagine, think about yourself right now, think about yourself, and I know the mothers listening to this will probably already know what I'm talking about, but let's let's talk to the people who haven't had children, or, you know, for the males out there who haven't had children, or, or maybe don't appreciate what their partners do so much. Think about how you see yourself in your life right now. How do you identify yourself? It's funny, when you think back to the old days when emails first came out, you used to, you used to kind of almost identify your, your, your personality through your email. So when, when I first got my email account, which I think was a Yahoo account, uh, my first email was Bev Attack because I loved Body Attack, which was this aerobics class I did. You know, there was these ways I defined myself in my life. And, uh, and, and I think all of us probably have those kind of four or five ways we really kind of see ourselves in this world. Um, a reflection of that is probably often the questions that people ask of you. You know, an athlete will always, the question they always get asked is, oh, how's your training going? You know, uh, someone who's into music probably always gets asked about how their music's going. It's the way the world perceives you in your identity. But how do you see your own identity? For myself, I see myself as, you know, like a, you know, exercise guy. I see myself as a musician, um, although kind of mid to low key musician, but definitely I see myself in that light. I see myself as um, someone who's interested in finances and business. And I see myself as someone who puts a big priority on, you know, development. So, you know, these are the ways I see myself in my world. Now, it's one thing to see yourself, but actually, a lot of the way we see ourselves was because we spend a lot of time and energy in those different areas of your life. So if we look at myself, I, you know, I exercise, you know, 10 to 20 hours a week, depending on the week. I spend, you know, a good seven or eight hours a week playing my piano. I do some band practice now. I get piano lessons. You know, I spend a lot of my energy thinking about my business and, and, you know, this kind of work I do with, you know, my content creation, you know, so a lot of, I see myself in this light. But also, a lot of my time is spent on these activities. So my identity is not just the thought that I have. My identity is based on the fact that, you know, this is the way I am living my life. 
Now, when you have a child, the sacrifice is absolutely phenomenal. And it's it's phenomenal more for the female in this early stage, especially when the child is young, because you know, you know, a lot of, you know, fathers are better nowadays. And I know there's a lot of guys out there who do a lot of work. And I know there are, you know, a small percentage of men who become the house dad and all the rest of it. But, you know, when a baby is born, they are so dependent on their mother. You know, the feeding, you know, just there's just so much work required for the mother. And what basically happens in that first stage of being a mother is, you sacrifice all of the things that you do for yourself because you kind of have to because you have this baby who's now dependent on you to guide, you know, to be there, you know, as a mother to get them through this first stage. Now, again, I know males have a part to play with this, but imagine right now, think back to the question of the whole idea of your identity. Think back to, you know, the way you see yourself in the world right now and think back to the amount of time you put into those activities that reinforce your identity. Now imagine that tomorrow you had to lose 90% of the time that you put into that energy, into those identity things because you had something else that was more important for you to do. Again, imagine, imagine that. Imagine, you know, that, you know, for me, imagine if I no longer could play my piano for 10 hours a week. Imagine for me if I could no longer exercise for 10 hours a week. Imagine for me that I couldn't put my time into my energy and my content creation. And not because I've been slack or anything, because something else became more of a priority that, that I can't not do, like being a, being a mum. Can you imagine what a shift that would be in your life? Can you imagine the struggle that you'd have within yourself as you feel you're losing your own sense of your own identity within the world as you hit this moment? And to me, that's what I kind of touched on in this piece, was that for a lot of mothers out there, it's hard work being a mum. You know, like the the physical activity of being a mum, you know, the late nights, the feeding, the the constant... um, energy that you have to put into your child is, is, is hard work, particularly in the early stage. But imagine what it's like being a mum as well as you see all the important things that have given you identity to this moment in your life have no time to be able to do them right now. And that was what this piece was about. And where I led to with this piece, and, and again, it really had a note. Like, like, and, and like I got emails from people saying, this made me cry. You know, like seriously, I put on my Facebook post and I got so many comments and so many shares of the articles and and quite a few comments from people from mum saying, man, you you don't know how right you got this. And, uh, you know, I literally cried as I read this piece because this is what I'm going through right now. And my message at the end of the piece was was not so much for the mum. Like the mum was, you know, I suppose... If anything, I help identify something that was big in their world right now, but I don't think it was probably something they didn't know, you know, like the mothers knew this. My message was more for the people around them, that we need to be aware of how hard it is to be a a mum to a young child or to children in general, and how can we support them in the little ways so that they can keep a little bit of themselves through this very challenging time. Now, let's be honest, when a baby is first born, a mother's, you know, like, let's say I was a mum, which 
it's kind of a funny visualization. But let's say I was a mum. If, if a mother was, oh, I got a squeaky chair today. Can you hear that? I'm sorry if it's annoying you. Um, if, if I was a mum and suddenly, you know, I had a child and I had to look after that child, you know, because the child is more needy of me than the other parent, there's no way I would be doing 10, 15 hours exercise a week. I would probably struggle to get any piano time in and, you know, the business and all the rest of it. So the amount of time I'm going to have to, have to commit to those areas are really small. But really what we're probably looking for in this first stage for those mothers is how can we keep a little bit of it in there for you? So for the new mum, you know, if they've been doing, you know, an hour's exercise every day of the week, that may not be realistic in this first stage. But if they can get out there and do, you know, three or four half-hour sessions a week where they don't have to think about the child, that is going to have a massively positive effect on their well-being and the well-being of the child because the parent will be in a better place. And my point really in, in, in in the piece I wrote was that as the people around the mother, we need to look for ways to support them to have that time in that stage. You know, if you know you've got a friend who's got a young child and, uh, you know, and that you, you can give them some time where they, you know, you can go around and look after the kid and then go for a walk or, or if you've got family members who you can do that with or if you're the husband, you know, like how can you make sure that your partner can go to the gym or, or do that hobby? It might be they like to do some art or whatever. Now, again, it's not going to be the time that they had before, but there's real value in being the person who can provide enough support so that they can have enough time to keep their identity identity through this very time-consuming time of their life. I have to admit right now, I, I said in the introduction of today's show, today's show was going to be a stream of thought kind of show. And, and I have to admit, I'm kind of in a fork in the road of what direction I want to go with today's show. And, um, and, and I'm kind of torn between two two points and, I, and I'll share them with you right now um, the first point is where I was originally meaning to go with this show was the importance of people in your life and I was going to going to flip this on on its head right now and talk about um, you know in the past I did power to the people of the show about that but that was very much about me being the person who helps others and, and how I get so much back from that and I was you know and, and well us you you know me me being you as well um, and but today I was going to flip it on the other side and say actually the importance of having people and social in your life is really important and I was about to flip this mother thing on its head and kind of say um, actually again as I'm having a show I'm kind of again it's a constant stream of thought kind of show but then as I got to the end of that last bit there and I had a quick pause and, and I've just come back in obviously you wouldn't have told but um, the sense of identity in your life the sense of the importance of identity in your life and the importance of recognizing when you are losing your identity in your life. And the mother example is a, is a really massive example of when that happens. And the mother example is, um, you know, you make a choice to have a children, child, or sometimes you don't, I didn't, but, but you know, I had a child and uh, happy with it, but I didn't choose it when I was 19. And uh, you make a choice and... Um, you know, and then, it, you know, over a nine-month period, you kind of build up to this change, and changes happen in your body, but a lot of your lifestyle will stay pretty similar, and then there's this one defining moment where everything shifts. 
So there's a real obvious loss of identity in that moment. But that's not the only time in life that we experience shifts or loss of identity. And a, a, a real classic example of this is when you shift in career or when you prioritize something new because you think it's really important. You, a real classic example, I suppose, is the person who goes into business by themselves. Now, when you go into business by yourself, it's, extre- it's an extremely challenging time. Because as much as I believe in business, you know, a big part of my life is spending time on my business. Um, there's security with job, which helps to take away a lot of the fear of failure in life. Like you turn up to a job, you turn up 40 hours, you, you tick the boxes, you do a good job, but you walk out, you get a check, it's done. When you go into business, you, you kind of say, okay, I have this idea that this thing's going to work. And then you bring all your skills and your energy into this business in the hope that you have it right. And, you know, hopefully over time, evidence will prove that you do get it right and that you have a successful business. But there's a lot of people out there who haven't got it right with business. And there's a lot of failed businesses, you know, many, many, many examples of this. And what you often find with the person who goes into business is that you know, they, they leave the 40-hour job with the idea of, I'm going to get, you know, I want, I want my own life, I want my own time. And they end up working 70 to 80 hours a week because that's what it takes to be successful in the early stage of business. You know, they say, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's something stupid, like 80% of businesses don't last five years. And I have to admit, my business hit five years this year, and I was, have to admit, for me, that was kind of a cool thing. Um, and and, and we've hit five years we're only really starting to just be successful now. Like it's been five years of, you know, not being unsuccessful, but, you know, we haven't been, you know, <laughs> we're, we're not writing books about how successful we are at this stage. And, um, and you know, and so what happens with these people who move into businesses, when they worked a normal job, they might have, you know, had a running group they had, they might have had a hobby they had as well. But then they move into this business life and suddenly because it's so important, their priority, they've got this new priority in front of them, they start to lose their identity of the other things that were important in their lives. And, and the classic example of this is the business person who wakes up at you know 40 or 50 and they're in a place where they've totally lost themselves and they're overweight, they're actually quite unhealthy because they've compromised themselves because, because of the workload they've created for themselves. And they've, they've kind of compromised, if anything, the only identity they have is that they work hard. They've lost their identity in all other areas of their lives. And I think it's important for us to, you know, for people going to that area, or for us to always be aware of what our identity is, and for us to be vigilant on those times when we feel we are shifting away from our identity because of other priorities. And ways we can shift away from our identity, you know, that are, are damaging to us, and how can we keep that in in a way that's realistic, you know, for the new priority. So again, if we look back to the mother experience, you know, the mother, you, you've got a baby, you're not going to be doing 10 hours exercise a week like you did previously, but can you get two and a half to three hours in a week with the support of people around you? You go into business, suddenly you've gone from working 40 hours a week to 70 hours a week. Okay, well, 70 hours a week isn't realistic. And, um, you know, or there's going to, you know, again, you're not going to be able to do 10 hours exercise a week, but can you get three and a half in? 
Actually, I'm going to talk about my friend Mid, Mid, who was on the show last month. Mid Thomas, and this is, this is a real classic example of this. Mid is someone, as, as I'm sure you could tell from last month's show, is someone who's so passionate about helping people change. And she has a real, a real goal around how she wants to be successful in, in creating change in people's lives. And, and she's got this pathway that she's working down. And recently Mid made a really kind of ballsy career decision and quit a role that was, you know, a very important role within the Les Mills company and stepped across, probably across and down a little bit to another role, which took or maybe doesn't have so much influence on the overall overall position of what she does right now, but because she's taken a sideways step, which is slightly down, she sees it's going to take her above where she was previously, and so she sees it as an important step in her development towards the final point that she wants to get to, which is ultimately having the biggest influences possible on the hugest amount of people in New Zealand around health and fitness. And it was really interesting talking mid in Florida because, you know, obviously we did the podcast, but we, we, we talked for hours. And um, one thing that mid picked up over the last few years of her life was meditation. And um, mid became an, an you know a, a, an advocate of meditation like overnight she went into the course and um and she just for her it was this amazingly powerful thing in her life like it was just this thing that it was one of those transformational things you know we see it with exercise when people first find exercise it transforms them and uh, for mid when she first learned to meditate that was that thing and she became the person you know she even rang me and said Bev you, you know she knew I meditate and she, we had these big discussions around meditation and she went you know she went in to do the extra level courses which you know I've never really picked up on you know I've kind of just learnt my level that I'm happy with and haven't really tried to advance it much further and mid was going these next levels and Suddenly she was convincing, you know, the people in her close knit of friends to start meditating and, and, you know, and they were. And so she became that person who found a passion, found the value of this passion and then, you know, became, you know, her attraction to it made it attractive to other people. When we caught up in Florida, you know, we started talking about how she's going and everything going and, and it seems as though within her new role, she's already having a pretty big impact and um, but alongside that, she's working extremely hard, and it's one of those moments where her priorities have shifted, and she's got a number one priority that is absolutely massive, massive for the right reasons. Again, it's like being the mother; having a child is cool, and it's you know like it's not that you don't want to have kids; it's an amazing thing. But there's a loss of self because this new priority takes over. And for Mid, there's this career shift she's taken, which she sees taking her to the level she ultimately wants to get to. And within this, there's a workload that she wasn't doing before. And what's happening is she's compromising her other areas that are giving her a sense of identity. Now, I'm sure Mid won't mind me sharing this with you, but when we talked about the other days, you know, she wasn't as fit as what she normally is. Now, Mid you know, to everyday people is going to be always extremely fit. Um, but, you know, us, us fitness instructors who kind of go around the world and get to present to other instructors, we like to kind of walk in the room and think, you know, there's not many people in that room who will be able to challenge us with our fitness. We, You know, to be a leader in an industry, I always think, I've got to walk in the room and think I'm the fittest guy there. I may not be the fittest guy there, but I've got to have that inspiration so that the other fitness instructors go, wow, this guy has another level that I aspire to. And Mid has that, you know, when she stands up on stage, people are like, wow, this person is just, you know, I want to be of that level. 
when we went to Florida, she was kind of saying, oh, you know, I, I, you know, I just haven't had the time that I usually have to exercise because I'm working so much. And we kind of started talking about other things. And, and I asked her, how's the meditation going? And she goes, oh, I haven't really been meditating at all. And because uh, I'm just so busy with other things. Now, when we look at Mid, she's a real example of there's been a big shift in her life and her priorities. And her priority, that's, it, it's like we need to acknowledge it's, it's an important priority. It's, it's really, really important to her. You know, she sees this as something that's going to have a massive influence on where she wants to ultimately get to in the long term. So we can understand why she goes, you know what, I either meditate or do this extra half an hour work. I understand why we do that, why she does that. But is there a danger for Mid right now that she's dropping things that are ultimately important for her identity? That before she hit this moment of her life where her identity was, you know, a fitness instructor who was of a high level of fitness, who had this mind tool that was very important to her, that gave her a sense of well-being over her overall self, as she starts to drop away on some of those, those actions, like the exercise, like the meditation, is that creating a dangerous path for her moving forward where she, her identity only becomes about working hard? Now, I'm sure, well, I hope, I mean, I'm pretty sure she will, I'm sure she'll be fine, I'm sure she'll figure out, actually, you know what, here's where I need to be with this area. You know, like, she probably knows right now that she's not going to have the same level of exercise she did in the past because of this new role. So she'll figure out what that place is. And I'm sure from our conversation, it made her realize that she needed to get back to meditation. But it's a big, important question that we all need to explore in our life is how do we maintain our identity at times when priorities shift and at times where priorities shift in ways that demand time from the areas where you normally get your identity from? It's a really important question to ask. How do you maintain your identity when priorities shift which take time from the actions that help you build your identity? There's a little bit of this that, that happens in life anyway. You know, we, we shift. You know, the, the person I am today is different to the person I was 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I'm sure as you look at yourself, you'll see that you are, you know, we shift in our priorities, shift in our identity, shifts over time as well. Like, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't see myself as a musician, a musician, I should say. Um, but, you know, as, as my actions have gone towards me putting a lot more time into practicing piano, you know, I'm starting to see myself as a musician. I still don't yet, but, it, you know, my identity is shifting more from the guy being the exercise guy. So, uh, you know, identities will shift over time. But I think that the, the more important thing we need to look out for are those moments in our life when maybe there's a change in your life or maybe there's a shift in priorities or maybe there's an external influence that takes your time away when you start to see yourself losing your own identity. Let's, let's try to put some framework around this. You know, first of all, what, what is your identity? You know, when you look at yourself, what, what makes who you are? What are those activities that make you see yourself in the world? You know, if you can define what they are, then you can start to put some framework around being aware of when they are slipping away. So if you know, for example, that, you know, you like to see yourself as someone who, you know, is a regular exerciser, then when priorities shift or something else starts to take over, 
and you see exercise slipping away, you can start to become more aware of, oh, I'm losing myself right now. Then what you can start to do is you can you you know you can make adjustments to your life so you keep enough time in that area that you think is important. So so the first question I have for you as you're kind of sitting or writing or whatever you're doing as you listen to the show is is what is your identity? You know, how do you perceive yourself? And then actually the next question on top of that is to go where do my actions show me that I do this identity? So I see myself as a guy who does exercise and it's obvious because I do 10 to 15 hours exercise a week. I see myself becoming a musician and it's obvious because I've started playing in a band. I practice my piano for an hour to two hours a day. I'm getting lessons. So, you know, there's these things that are showing me that my identity is real. Once you start to see, you know, get a, and I've just mentioned two here, there might be more, there obviously is more to how you see your identity, but, you know, once you've kind of got that understanding of what your identity is, that's almost like your your baseline. And I think that's maybe where I could go with the next point in here is, is that what is the minimal level in each of those areas that I need to maintain to feel satisfied in my life? What is the minimal area in those minimal level in those different areas that I need to maintain to keep satisfied in my life. For me, I need to exercise at least an hour a day. It's just the way I am, you know, preferably two to three, you know, like um, occasionally I have a lot more days off nowadays than what I did in the past. I may have a day off once a week, um, but every other day of the week, I, I like to get at least, at least an hour and even to be honest, two hours probably realistically um, and a lot of time three. And I know for a lot of people out there listening, that sounds like a lot of exercise, it's just the way I'm built, you know, and it's it's just where I like to work. And I know, I know that sounds like a lot less, I mean, a lot, uh, you know, comparison to the normals, but it's just the way I work. In the past, I used to be, I like to exercise four to five hours a day. So there's been a drop. I like to play my piano every day. You know, I like to meditate every day. I like, you know, there's these kind of baselines. I like to meditate every day. Like occasionally I'll slip a day and I won't get it in. But if I miss two or three days, I start to feel I'm losing myself. If I miss your piano day, that's cool. But if I can't play piano for three or four days, like to be honest, you know, leading and this is an example of this. Um, my with Joe and I going to America um, for the two months leading up to America, I worked my butt off probably six weeks to be honest. For six weeks, I worked all day nonstop, and it's one of the downfalls of being a, a business owner is if you want to have a holiday, you either work when you're on holiday or you do all the work before you go on holiday and and. Joe and I didn't want to work on holidays, so I worked my butt off. I worked non-stop from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed for six weeks. And I got a month's holiday out of it, so I wasn't regretful for that decision. But like this today's kind of lesson, I compromised other areas of my life. I did the minimal amount of exercise I could do because it's my job, but I did nothing more. And I do like to do more. I, I didn't play my piano for six weeks. And to be honest, by the time I got back on my piano after my holiday... I didn't play my piano for, you know, nearly 10 weeks. And I have to admit, I really struggled with that. I really struggled with the fact that I couldn't get my piano playing in every day. And I felt there was a certain loss of self. And I think that's an example of what I'm talking about here today. Is throughout that time, of could I have got half an hour in a day? And would I have felt more satisfied and not feel like I was losing myself because of that? Now, for me, it wasn't so bad because I had, you know, I knew once I get back from my holiday, I got straight back into it. And I did. I got back into piano, my lessons and playing with my band. 
but really finding those markers and let's go back to the point I'm talking about is what are the minimal levels that you need to maintain you know so first of all what is my identity where are the actions that show me that I that I put time into these these identity things and then what is the minimal level I can maintain in those times when other priorities take over what is the minimal level I can maintain in those times when other priorities take over now, and other times when those priorities aren't there, you know, you can easily fit in the exercise you'd like to do. You can easily fit in all the, you know, all those things that make up you in a comfortable kind of measured way. But in those times when those other areas take over, and if we think about being a mother, this is not going to be a couple months. It's not, you know, till I get back from my holiday. This is for a few years. When we think about the business owner, we're thinking this is going to be for a long term. Actually, another example, I had a runner, it's funny how these these topics come together at the right time, I had a runner who used to come to the gym about 10 years ago, and she's just joined my 5k group, and she goes to me, Bev, you know, I used to come to your classes, and you know, she put on some weight, and uh, put on quite a bit of weight, and uh, she said to me, you know what, I've been doing business, and I've made a lot of money, but I've totally lost myself in the process, and that's a real example of what I'm talking about here today. So what is that minimal level that you need to maintain when those priorities come along? And then I suppose one of the last points to add to this conversation is how do you keep it a priority in those times? You know, in those times when you see yourself slipping away. You know, you could do some work. You could actually, you know, write down and say, okay, here's my markers. Okay, if I go two days without exercise, that, that tells me I need to do something. But how do you set that up so... You don't compromise. Because when you're at work and you know something an important email comes in, but you thought you were about to go out for your run, and you look at that email and you go, you know what? It needs to be done a bit ago, I'll do my run tomorrow. And then tomorrow something else comes in, someone pops into your office and wants a meeting just before you go to your run. Over time, that thing that helped you see yourself as what you are in this world becomes less and less of a priority. And it becomes easier and easier for you to reject it and put it away. To the point where one day you wake up and that was a past version of yourself. Is that a healthy place to get to? Is that a place that ultimately is good for you in in the journey of your life? There's a classic example of that reprioritization moment. There's a few actually. There's there's the there's the the business. I've already talked about this. There's the business guy who who's made his money and wakes up one day and realizes he's lost everything else. You know, bad relationships, overweight. You know, he's good. He's a legend in one area of his life, business, but has nothing else. And you see that with these people. It's not just men, but you see these business men who, uh, you know, they have this massive midlife crisis, don't they? You know, they they kind of try to catch up on everything they lost. Another really classic example of this is when someone's broken up from a bad relationship. You know, when they've been in this relationship, which is obviously not healthy for them, um, which has made them pull away from what is important from them within their life. And, uh, you know, it might be five, ten years down the piece and they break up and you see them just go back to all those behaviours or activities or hobbies that gave them their identity before they were together with their partner. We don't want you to get to that point. We don't want you to get to that point where you've lost your identity due to other priorities. 
what we want you to do is we want you to be able to manage and maintain your identity through through actions and behaviors in your life. So that you're always keeping close to that beacon of who do I want to be in this world and am I being it today? There may become times in your life where those priorities will shift. You know, when we think about Mitch, he's taken a sideways step that will ultimately take her to a much more powerful place. But we don't want her to compromise those other things that are still important for her sense of well-being today. And when you live in a place where you're always wondering, am I losing myself? And you're always thinking to yourself, I should be going out exercising. There's a, there's a, there's a bad energy cost that comes with that that ultimately costs you in your life. And if you can find a way, you know, through planning or, or being aware or, or using support people for the mother, that you can keep some sense of identity through that time, you're going to end up living a much healthier life today and as you move towards your future. We all face times in our life where things change. And we all face times in our life which could be very dangerous if we aren't aware of the consequences of our behaviours due to priorities that may be outside of our influence. In these times, if we can maintain a level that is realistic to this new life, but allows us to maintain our own identity, and allows us to put time in it to the activities today that are still important to us, then you're going to end up in a much healthier place in the long term and you know, and be in that place where you are, you know, as I always say, being that better version of yourself. Have a think about it. Look to yourself. Are you being what you know you want to be in your life? That is an example of somebody waffling. <laughs> oh, man, I seriously, wow, that, that kind of blows my mind away. I can talk. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have figured this out. I can definitely talk. It's one thing that I seem to be able to do. It's um, hopefully, hopefully you got something from that. Like, to be honest, that wasn't the path I was going to go down. I was going to go down the whole idea of um, the importance of social. And I may do that show, you know, I will do that show in the future. Um, next month, I'm actually trying to plan another interview with someone who I think is pretty phenomenal and it's a it was a show I was going to do a topic on myself um but due to well no I may do it but if I can get this interview uh, I'll definitely do it as an interview instead um but anyway um hopefully you got something from that today I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you would or if you didn't you can let me know by email you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com and uh, flick me through any questions you want and uh, we can go from there but um, let me know if you if you got something from that. I'd be really curious to see um, what you guys think. It's definitely it's definitely an area like it's an area that I think that you need to be vigilant and protecting your identity. Like I think that's the important thing is that there's so many things in life that want to take your time and energy, and um, you, you know you need to be vigilant and making sure that the things you are putting your energy towards are keeping the things that are important to you in place and those times when that may shift is how do you maintain that so you know hopefully you got something from that hopefully you did um i'm, I'm, I'm just going to pause for a second i'm going to come back with a couple emails 
I've got a question here from Ash. Ash is from, I think he's from Australia. I'm not quite sure if he's from Australia. And he's just saying he uh, really enjoys the show. Um, he, I actually met him in uh, GFX, which is a big group fitness extravaganza, 2012. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, so anyway. And he's just, he's a Les Mills fitness instructor and he's kind of just really, oh, he's from Sydney, there you go. But he's just got basically, he's kind of gone on saying he enjoys the show, which is really great. And uh, But he's just got a question for me, which is kind of specific to fitness professionals, but I'll kind of share it with you guys. He's got an example, I'm sure you probably have heaps of episodes planned, but I would love to hear your take on how to keep leading when things get tough. Because I am sure I'm not the only person who either is already somewhat successful in fitness or is expected to be a leader and struggles mentally sometimes. For example, I have taught seven body pump and four RPM classes in the last two days. Now that's a lot of classes, nine classes in two days, that's full on. My favorite programs, um, so I... Um, they're my favorite programs, so I'm um, running on passions, endorphins, and adrenaline, LOL. Which physically I'm quite apt to, but I know that the rest of the week will be tough trying to push for a hundred percent. When you want to be an inspiration, you've got to push yourself. But how do you keep pushing yourself when there is nothing left in the tank? But you don't want to let people down. So he's kind of curious basically, you know, when you do when your energy out is your job and you push so much energy out, how do you kind of still manage, um, you know, how do you keep it up in those, you know, when you're, when you're dying and you don't want to let people down? Now, I totally get where you're coming from, Ash, because, you know, there's, there's different levels of instructors and different kind of skill sets, and I always think of myself, like there's a guy called Gandalf who's, I believe, one of the best instructors in the world, and he's a dance instructor, and I dance, and Gandalf is just cool like if you ever get a chance to go to Auckland Les Mills and go watch Gandalf do his class it, he just oozes cool and, and you know and different instructors have different kind of you know different kind of selling points and the thing that I have always had is the fact that I'm the stupidly fit guy high energy and stupidly fit and uh, so you know when I go to a class the thing that that I give is all of myself and my workout and when I'm trying to inspire others, that when people are dying, when they look at me, they see that the person in front of them is still trying to go harder. You know, that's that's for me, I believe it's an important part of me doing my job well. And, uh, you know, when you teach that way, and it sounds like Ash lives in a very similar place to I do, to what I do is that, um, you know, it's, it's hard. Our job is hard. Like, we're very passionate, so you kind of forget how hard it is. But when you think about the physical work that we are doing and it's extremely hard and I think that actually for someone like Ash who is doing so many classes if you're doing nine classes in two days and you've still got quite a few more to do a week um, obviously you're, you're doing a lot of out and I actually think it's probably more about managing your yourself outside of your classes you know when you're putting that much energy out you need to make sure that you are stupidly disciplined with your rest you know, are you good at making sure you're getting a solid eight hours sleep a night? Are you good at your nutrition? Are you good at eating before and after classes, refurbishing your energy? Are you, you know, getting the right amount of fluid in? You know, do you, like, I've always had my meditation, or could you have you explored having a nap? You know, looking for ways to, to reinforce the energy that you need for those classes and healthy options. Because what you do see a lot of people do in the industry is, when they start to get tired is they look for 
unhealthy alternatives so they might start using some supplements and you know you've got like the rip fuels and those supplements that are real high grana energy boost or v drinks or, or red bull or supplements or, or caffeine as a way to get through now on the odd occasion to chuck a red bull down you know if you're really desperate is a good solution but if that becomes the habit that's actually a really unhealthy solution and a much wiser way to look at it is to go well, actually how do I manage my energy outside of my classes so I thought probably the biggest piece of feedback I could give you Ash is you know how can you get better rest and how can you get better nutrition you know it might be that like on a Sunday afternoon you have a, a, an extra sleep you know you have your normal sleep but on a Sunday afternoon you try to get four four hours of quality sleep in or you add that afternoon sleep in and you have really good nutrition the only other thing I would probably add to this without going into too much detail is to consider the way you distribute your energy in your class you know when do you need to give the most amount of energy in your class and when don't you and are you when you think about your class are there times when you're actually wasting your own energy and it's actually not having a massive impact on the people in front of you like when we think about the class really what you are is you're a puppet master of energy and, and inspiration I suppose and motivation and what you're trying to do is you're trying to get people to the moment where the results come, where they you know, where they push your body to another level. And, you know, through your skill, you're guiding them through that experience. And then there will come that moment when they need you to take them through to the next level. And in that moment, that's when, you know, you go to that kind of 100% place. Are you within your class going to that 100% places in times when it's not needed? And could you manage your own energy better throughout the class so that you can, you know, hit those moments well, but not waste the energy in those other times? Hopefully that adds something to uh, to what, you know, to your thoughts here and, and let me know. You know, I'll be interested to see what you think. That's pretty much this month's show. I'm going to wrap it up because we're nearly at an hour. Um, just a quick note, the book is uh, it's, it's going um, guns, which is great. Um, I've been talking to some publishers, which is phenomenal. And uh, everyone seems very interested, which is very exciting. The process is quite slow and long. Um, they're saying basically, you know, once they confirm they want to go ahead and nothing's confirmed at this stage, but you're pretty much looking for kind of like a year until, you know, that moment where the book will be coming out. So, you know, it's going to be a while before you guys can get your hands on it, but hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll always be keeping in contact with you guys and letting you guys know what happened with the book. And as soon as it's out there, you guys will be hearing about it straight away. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Like, I'm... Uh, yeah I, it's funny as a person I, I've got a it's really interesting with Joe my partner and I I have a very optimistic mind like I always see the maximum possibility of what can happen and Joe's not my partner's not pessimistic at all she's definitely not a pessimistic character but she'll definitely kind of be maybe a little more realistic or a little bit more kind of conservative in the way she sees things and, and like with our business you know I see the future I see thousands like we're currently training two to three hundred people a week in Christchurch well I see us training thousands I, I think ten thousand people in New Zealand you know within the next five years and in my mind it, it's just it's not even an if it's just like it's going to happen and Joe will be like well you know, let's just look at 500 now, you know, and, and she sees things that way. And uh, and so as I think about my book, I, you know, I, I think that this is going to be this massive, big bestseller and, and, and maybe it won't be, it's going to be a really interesting experience, but hopefully that, you know, hopefully 
that I have a message that I can get out there and, and have a big impact in this world in some kind of cool way. So I'll let you know about that over the next few months and then when it comes out, how you can help me spread the word will be kind of an important part of it as well. Anyway, um, hopefully next month I've got a pretty great interview for you and uh, yeah, thanks for your time and have a wonderful month. And if you, again, if you've got any questions, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. Just I suppose one thing I could ask from you guys, if you ever see one of my pieces that I put up on Facebook or Twitter or Google+, Plus. Um, you know, if you want to share it, that'd be really valuable. It's just another way of helping getting my kind of message out there. So each week I go out there, I put my podcast or my writing pieces up there. Just go on, share it to the, you know, your audience or your friends and family and, uh, that'd be really, really appreciated. Anyway, you guys have a wonderful month and I will see you soon. Uh-huh.